This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go <laughs> So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, and with me, Weston Shepard of Up the Thunder. Weston, what's up, man? Oh, you know, hanging out, trying to survive the time change. How are you? <laughs> no, the daylight savings is the dumbest thing. Can we not get I, rid I, of it? No, I tried. I, I wrote a letter I, <laughs> just to anybody that I thought would uh, be responsive. I have no luck so far. It's insanity. Uh, but it here is. we are. We're here anyways, talking about the Thunder. It. Uh, yeah, so do. There was a uh, there was an article written on ESPN.com, and I think it's going in the magazine. Uh, it's got this really awesome picture of Russell Westbrook uh, dribbling a basketball, wearing this like leopard print shirt and some super tight jeans. Uh, he looks right. awesome, and the article is awesome as well. So you should check it out. But Weston, what uh, what, did, what did you take away from this article today? You know, it, it's it's always interesting to get a different perspective at Russ. Uh, Like we've said, it's a lot of negative narratives surrounding him. So whenever you can kind of get a look at uh, who he is and how he's really still kind of an underdog, even this far into his career and and what he's doing, I I appreciate those looks and and kind of letting people in on, you know, his story and what he's really like. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the the underdog thing is really interesting because he's now like kind of an ultimate underdog with this thunder team he's got all these super young guys around him and the article talks about how a lot of people didn't expect him to have this kind of success uh but he's doing it i mean the thunder have a negative net rating and they're still at uh 37 and 29 right now which is really impressive and it's all because of russell westbrook Uh, i think he's really been misunderstood and continues to be misunderstood uh, as his career continues to go uh, but this is a really kind of good kind of inside look at him and a, a good look at the all the numbers also what's kind of outside the numbers because i feel like the only talk right now is about russ's triple doubles but uh, right. it gives a, a little bit of a glimpse as to like the other things that he's doing and i think Todd gibson has also been a good voice for that because uh, since he's come to the thunder he's had a lot of positive things to say about russ I don't know how you could ever actually have a negative thing to say about Russ if you watch him on a nightly basis. But, you know, with him and and how he's always been, he doesn't necessarily want to be understood. I think we all kind of learned that whenever he, you know, signed his extension of we all thought it was gone for basically his entire career so far. So, you know, it's, it's been this process of, okay, we don't actually know anything about this guy except that he's really good at basketball. Uh, he's terrifying. He screams a lot. Um, but, but, you know, learning a little bit more about him and, and just, um, you know, what he's gone through and starting to, uh, I guess, peel back that onion of, of what makes him go. It, it's always interesting. And, Anytime you can get looks like that in, in ESPN, so with the national media or you know just fans of basketball that don't necessarily get to watch him all that often, I appreciate because maybe they can see a little bit more of what we see um, eighty-two games. Yeah, and with Durant leaving, we've really gotten to see a lot more of that, and it really uncovered the fact that maybe Russell Westbrook is what we thought Durant was the whole time. And because Russ wears funny clothes, like everybody just thought, oh, look at the clothes he wears. He's going to L.A. Um, or he's going to right. play in New York. Uh, but I think Russell Westbrook just holds almost all of like the core values that we thought Durant held, which is kind of a, a weird kind of storyline within this. Yeah, you know, just from a loyalty aspect, he's certainly who we thought Durant was the entire time. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know, you know, if he intends to stay forever or, you know, if he wants to sign an extension this summer or, or what. But, you know, it, it's pretty clear at this point that, that we were wrong about him pretty much the entire time. And he is more of that, you know, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to win here or I'm not kind of guy that, that we always hoped Durant was going to be. Yeah, for sure. And 
I expect Russell to stay with the Thunder, and I expect the Thunder to continue to get better. And they, uh, it, it looks like we were heading for a really awful weekend whenever the Thunder had that four game skid. Uh, but they beat San Antonio, which I thought was a good win. Not a fully healthy San Antonio team, but they still beat them. And then they beat Utah on Saturday. The, the Thunder played at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which was super weird. Uh, Rudy Gobert didn't play. Derek Favors didn't play. Uh, but the Thunder still played a good game, really up until like the fourth quarter, because the game was over. The, the Jazz had conceded the game, and they just played their scrubs the rest of the way. And the Thunder... Like surprisingly struggled with that. I don't know if it was just like we all know this game is over. Let's not worry about it. And then Howell Neto did not want that game to be over and just like right. went bonkers. It was weird. Uh, but the Thunder did end up winning. So I don't, I don't know what it, what do you what do you think about this team moving forward? Let's there's a there's a Twitter question that we're going to go through from it, that True Talk, basically asking, do you think they can win 50 games? Um, I don't know if uh, if 50 games is still on the table, just because, you know, these last two games were fantastic. I love seeing them beat the Spurs and the Jazz, obviously, uh, two teams that are, you know, higher than us in the in the Western Conference standings. But, you know, we also had the four games leading up to that. So it's kind of like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team that, that we root for. It's, it's You never know what you're going to get uh, when it comes to the team. So, you know, we go on the road here. We've got the Nets and the Raptors, and then home against the Kings this week. And you know, I'm expecting them to two and one, three and zero. Oh, you know, optimistically, uh, but you never know. It's it's um, it's interesting. It's it's still the same team that lost to the Mavericks, um, right. you know, a week ago. So you you just have to kind of just feel it out. And I think that's kind of been the story of the season. Is every time we get too far ahead of ourselves, you know, we have to temper our expectations. And every time things get really bad, they come back and shock us and beat the Spurs. So you just, it's a game by game basis, and I try not to get uh, too emotionally invested one way or the other. Right. And they, they'll have to go 13 and 3 to get 50 games going forward, which, I mean, their schedule is pretty soft, and you can kind of see that happening. But they've got a, I, I kind of mapped out the schedule. And I, I think that they're going to finish closer to 47 and 35, which is where a lot of people peg them at the beginning of the season. Um, so they've got to beat Toronto on the road. They have to beat Golden State at home. They have to beat Houston on the road. They have to beat San Antonio at home again, Memphis on the road. And then there's really not any other games that are that difficult. Like you have Brooklyn, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Dallas, Orlando, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Denver, Minnesota, and Denver. It's like those are all winnable games, but I can promise you they're not going to win all of those. Right, that's the thing. It, Thirteen and three would be difficult to do. You know, if the team that that played the first three and a half quarters against Utah shows up for sixteen games, then then by all means, fifty is on the table. But I, I'm I don't want to hold them to 50 i don't necessarily think if if they like you said finish at 47 35 48 34 that's that's a good season and and you know whether you make it to 50 or not they've done impressive things um those four games that we lost over the course of the past week that's probably going to end up being the difference but you know it's it is what it is at this point and if they get to 50 i wouldn't be surprised and i also wouldn't be surprised if they don't right and they play Minnesota the second to last game of the season, which is kind of—I mean—it's kind of an important game for for seeding because all these teams are going to be super close, uh, four through eight or four through seven, and then the eighth seed will be whatever that is. Uh, right. The Timberwolves are—they have the fourth best net rating uh, in the league since the All Star break, and the Mavericks have the fifth best since the All Star break, and the Nuggets have the sixth best. So nothing makes sense. I know. So there, and you know, do you have any idea who the first in net rating is since the All Star break? Goodness, I have no idea. Think about. You have to tell me. Think about my favorite player from the the team last season. He's playing very well. He has a very oh, no. small contract. You're telling me the Miami Heat. Yes, Miami Heat. That is insane. Nine point six net rating, an offensive rating of a hundred and eleven, <laughs> defensive rating of one hundred one. Uh, hey, they they've all moved to, to Waiters Island and and. They're just thriving. Oh, I love Dion so much. I know. Shout out to Dion. I wish he could be doing this I, here, but you know, I love I love him wherever he's at. You have to. He's just not self aware at all. He he, you know, he's Kobe Wade. He he's you know just an anomaly, and, and I love every bit of it. 
He's the best. He's shooting like forty six percent from three. In this, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, he's a superstar. Always knew hey, it. He's gonna go get that that max contract he's been after for you know his entire career. Man, that's gonna be a really fascinating thing this summer. Is what is Dion gonna get? Because if he keeps this up and like say Miami like pushes Cleveland or Toronto or Boston to like six or seven games. And Dion's like the reason why. I don't. What are teams going to do with themselves? Like I, don't, I. It's really. It's going to be really fascinating because he could not get a contract last summer. Uh, no, really he could not. Anything. Um, I don't know. Whoever does it, whoever decides, you know, we're going to pay Dion Waiters. They're they're going to hand him that contract with their eyes closed and just you know fingers crossed, hope for the best. <laughs> it's you know like if it's this season, Dion, that you're getting moving forward, then it's totally worth it. But goodness he is um something else he might be the ultimate contract year guy and he just feels like a contract year guy like like a baron davis or a steven jackson or monte ellis or somebody like that that just plays out of their head for you know the season before they get this big deal and then he might be okc dion the rest of the way well right someone just needs to offer him a really huge one-year deal um yes. so he's forced to take it and also be you know, contract your Dion for another season. One year deals forever for Dion. Hey, uh, why not? <laughs> uh, I'd like to, to uh, take this opportunity to thank someone else who is as awesome as Dion Waiters Chicken Express. Right now, their special is this is this is insane. This is all for six ninety nine. Two tenders, one fish, one side, one drink, a biscuit or a roll, two hush puppies for six ninety nine. Tell me where you can get a better deal, Weston. You can't get a better deal. You can't do it. Just go, nowhere. Go to Chicken Express. Locations are all over Oklahoma and Texas and the surrounding states. Uh, delicious food, great tenders, really good sides. Go check out Chicken Express. Uh, unreal. <laughs> totally unreal. They're so good. Uh, I want to talk about Triple Doubles and my friend Mikey Barra, who uh, he lives in Italy. He's a huge Thunder fan, really good with stats, sent me this uh, the spreadsheet of triple doubles, and I wanted to kind of run through the stats. So, since these are all since 1983, uh, this is all from Basketball Reference. So, Russell Westbrook is tied for fourth um, all-time winning percentage when he aver- when he has a triple double. So, 85 percent of the time, the Thunder win when Russ gets a triple double. The only guys that are better are Scottie Pippen. 86 percent of the time, they won when he got a triple double. Uh, and this is only in 18 wins for, for Pippen. Uh, Russell Westbrook okay. already has 63 wins. <laughs> Goodness so it's a smaller sample size. David Robinson, same thing, really small sample size, 87% with 13 wins. And then Draymond Green uh, has 20 wins off of triple doubles, and he's never lost when he has a triple double, um, yeah. which makes Whatever. sense. But we don't. Don't right. even acknowledge that anymore. So, and I won't. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has the same winning percentage as Larry Bird. Um, when when the Thunder win, it's eighty five percent. He's he's doing great things, and we addressed this a little bit on Friday that uh, people want to talk about like his empty numbers, and it's just absolute garbage to think that his triple doubles are empty stats. Uh, I think the win percentage speaks for itself, and this, these are win, his win percentage all time. So whenever he was getting triple-doubles when he was younger, uh, the Thunder were still winning at a really high clip. And I, I don't understand the mentality that these numbers are are, sh- are shallow or they don't mean anything. Um, what are your thoughts on just like the triple-double spree and then the narrative around it? The triple-double spree in itself, I mean, it, it's just insane we're talking about guys like Wilt Chamberlain on a, on a regular basis and Oscar Robertson. It's, it's mind boggling to really think about in, in terms of empty numbers, what is the team 26 and six this season when he gets one? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, that's not an empty stat. It, it's, you know, the stat it's, it's why the thunder has any shot at all moving forward. And you know why they're in sixth place right now. It's, it, it cannot be an empty stat if it directly affects the team winning, you know, take every other argument out. doesn't matter. The team wins when he gets a triple double and he knows that. So I, I don't understand the argument. And, and I think you guys touched on it on Friday. 
it's becoming so normal that people are trying to rationalize it or, you know, trying to, well, this, that, this, that. But he's getting a triple-double all the time. He's averaging a triple-double. He has a really great opportunity to average one over the course of an entire season. We shouldn't make that, you know, commonplace. That's not a normal thing. It may never happen again. So, you know, the empty stat stuff, Russ has been, you know, hated on by the media or whoever. His entire career, I think it's just an extension of that. People don't necessarily like the way he plays the game. So I think that's just trying to take away from him because they have to take away from him no matter what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And there's only three other players uh, since 1983 that have averaged more points while getting triple doubles. And that's James Harden, LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. <laughs> the only yeah. oh. those are the only guys. I'll take that company. Yeah, he's he's at twenty seven point one points uh, per game when he averages when he when he gets a triple double, um, and that's even with like Magic Johnson, Akeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Kobe Bryant, KG, um, Grant Hill. Whenever Grant Hill is really good, Chris Webber. So good. Um, so I mean it's it's crazy and guys like I mean Gary Payton I mean he he didn't have a ton of triple doubles but they uh, Sonics only won fifty three percent of the time when he got a triple double and he only averaged twenty two points um, whenever he got a triple double so I don't I'm not trying to take away anything from Gary Payton when I say that but I am just trying to say like Russell Westbrook is all time great and this is an all time great season and if we miss that. If you decide to criticize him or you decide to Tom Haberstrow, Westbrook, like you're just missing out because this has been spectacular and you should be watching Russell Westbrook because he's been really fun. And I I don't know if there's a more fun guy to watch in the league on his own. I think maybe probably the Rockets are more fun to watch as a team, but to see what he can do just on his own is incredible. Yeah, you know, if if you decide that what Russ is doing is – is not impressive if you have to find a way to hate on that. I feel like as a basketball fan, you're missing out. Like you said, it's just, you know, I've watched the game my entire life. I, I can't say that, that I've ever had more fun watching anyone play. And obviously I'm biased because it's the team that I'm passionate about. But, you know, this guy is just losing his mind. Like every second of every single game that he plays, even the games we lose. I mean, he's just full out you know reckless abandon it's incredible that he's been able to keep the energy level all season long quite frankly yeah and triple doubles or not it's just a lot of fun like how could you not have a blast watching this guy yeah just just let's just make basketball fun again i think a lot of people like to nitpick basketball so much and nitpick the nba like let's just can this not be fun like i I don't know sometimes it's exhausting to be honest (laughs) right no and you know if you if you root for the Rockets or you think James Harden should be MVP, you have to, at this point in time, you have to actively knock Russell Westbrook. You can't just say, I think Harden should be MVP because X. It has to be because X and Russ sucks. You, yeah. you just can't appreciate everybody at the same time, which is unfortunate because, you know, it, there's a lot of guys doing things that should be appreciated, uh, Russell Westbrook being at the top of that list. Yeah, I mean, this this is one of the best MVP races that we've had in a long, long time. And Harden is deserving. Westbrook is deserving. LeBron James is deserving. All those guys deserve to be in the conversation, deserve to even win it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what voters are going to do. Because, I mean, Westbrook, I, I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm for sure I'm biased. And I don't know how yeah. you could expect me to be anything but... Um, when we get to watch him every single game he plays. Uh, but I think that he's carrying a heavier load than those other guys are. Um, so if that's something, a lot of people factor that in. What would happen to the Thunder if Westbrook wasn't on it? If that's how you judge the MVP, he's the MVP, period. Um, but I yeah, I, I think it's, I just think it's, you're just splitting hairs between these guys, and I, I wouldn't be upset if any of them won it over Russ. Yeah, you know, I wish I could agree with that. I, I I do feel like I'd be upset, and obviously I think Harden has an absolutely deserving case, especially last night, triple-double, beats the Cavs, you know, takes LeBron. Incredible. It's a great game, you know, and, and that's one of those games where after two really solid games by rest, you go, ah, oh, crap, well, here he, here he is again, like, here we go. But, you know, to your point, if it all comes down to defining the word valuable, 
I don't understand how anyone could be more valuable than Russ just because I, I do think it's a lottery team. You know, one of the, I don't want to say it, but maybe one of the worst teams in the league if Russ isn't on it. So if, if being the sixth seed and, and not winning 50 games is the reason why he doesn't win MVP, I don't necessarily get that just because I think the difference that he makes. Oh, yeah. And the thing with the Thunder is that there's like no other playmakers on the team. I mean, probably the second no. best playmaker is Oladipo, and he's he doesn't have a high assist percentage this season. And then maybe your third is like maybe Stephen Adams, maybe Ennis Cantor. Like, what's I don't I don't know. I mean, like no, neither of those guys are facilitators, and that, that's where just the heavy load falls on Westbrook. Right. Yeah, and you know, I, I hope we never have to do this again. Like, I, I hope that. You know, as the team grows and, and Preston has more time, you know, in the post-Durant era that, you know, more help is on the way and you find those playmakers and Russ never has to carry this burden again. Like, if this is the last time he averages a triple-double, that's fine with me if that means that, you know, the team is better. But for what he's doing right now in this season with what he has, it's just, it's unbelievable. Right. And if this team comes back relatively the same, I think that we'll just see more of the same because in order for this team to win... He's got to rebound. And in order for this team to win, he's got to get others involved because no one else is going to do it. Like, and nope. I think that they they obviously do have good rebounders, but for them to get into an efficient offense, he's got to rebound and go. He just does. And if people want to say that that's empty because they're uncontested rebounds, you can say that. But I also would appreciate it if you'd watch him <laughs> instead of just looking at the stat and sorting the stat out on ESPN or stats.nba.com. Right. Watch watch one Thunder game, and I think it will change your mind. Uh, and obviously, we we haven't performed well on national television, which is which is part of it because we we lost some very winnable games um, when the whole world is watching. But at the same time, that San Antonio game was a, a great example. Yeah. And um, you know, just show the guys some love. I think I said I wouldn't really be upset if Harden won it, and I, I think that I think I, I would. I don't think that I would be, but I do think I would be upset if I could got Kawhi Leonard won it because I, I don't. I mean, Kawhi's not shouldering the same kind of load. I know that he's playing really good defense. I know that he has been able to score with, really well, but he's not like the facilitator of their offense. He's definitely their go-to scorer. Um, but I, I don't know his his late push. I hope that people don't take to it as much as they did last week uh, because I, I don't. I don't think he's quite as deserving as these other two guys. No, no. Uh, in terms of guys that are carrying a team that would be nowhere close to where they are without them, you know, it's Harden and Russ, and then at that point, all bets are off. But yeah, I'm with you on Kawhi. I think he's impressive. I think he's, you know, great. But I don't really buy his MVP candidacy, even though he did finish second last year. So you kind of have to, you know, people like what he does, and, and obviously it's all great, but it's yeah. just not the same for me. And he's very, he's very, very, very good. But he just hasn't had the same kind of special season that those two have had. No, no. Which, you know, this could be where Kawhi gets stuck. He could have seasons like this from here on out, and just because of who he is and how he is and who he plays for, it may not ever get the sort of recognition that it deserves. But mm-hmm. um, in comparison to, to the other candidates, it's just it's not the same. Right. Uh, let's do some Twitter questions. This is from at underscore Novocaine. He asks during this last Thunder, during this last Jazz matchup, do you believe this is how Oladipo should have performed throughout the season? It's that's difficult. Obviously, I, I would love for Oladipo to perform like that on a regular basis. Um, Twenty plus in back to back games, he's shooting really well from three. Um, and we, the team is 12 and three when he scores 20 plus. So I would love for that to be regular depot. I, I think he still has to figure out when to be aggressive. He seems like he's starting to figure that out. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to say that that's how depot should have been and, and what we should have expected from him. But I, I still don't know if, if he and Westbrook are on the same level to the point where we should expect that from him yet. Yeah, his his scoring has really picked up since he came back. I think that his wrist was really bothering him uh, before the All-Star break, and his shooting numbers had kind of shown that. Um, I don't know. The the expectation 
is that he would be this kind of player. That's what people thought before right. the season started, is that he would come in, he'd average 20 points a game, closer to like four or five assists a game, because the Thunder need playmaking badly, and when Russ is off the court, you know, he's he should have the green light, and they should be splitting, they should be staggering uh, the rotations that way. Uh, but Billy Donovan really hadn't done that. He played so much at Christian, like, I think he played 17 minutes the other night just at point guard. And I know that. I don't. I know. I don't get that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just like watching him play. I'm like, I, did Billy Donovan lose a bet? Like, what is right. what is going on here? They really want to get a good look at him. And I'm just maybe it's, maybe I'm not seeing something, uh, but I don't. I don't. I just don't get it. Like, I think he's a decent defender. I don't think he's like a world class like Patrick Beverly point guard defender. Uh, no. he's, he's not a shooter. He's really not that great a passer. Um, I don't. I don't see it. Do you? Do you see anything that makes sense to why as to why he's like in the rotation right now? No, and, and to his credit, I think he's played better the last five games than I'd yeah. seen before that. But the whole Norris Cole thing has been confusing. Is like he, he showed up, played on his first night in uniform, and and now he's gone. I don't understand <laughs> what happened there. Like, why is why is Kristen back? In full force, all of a sudden, I, I expected him to to hit third on the point guard or in the on the rotation there, but <sighs> I I don't I don't know. He's confusing. It's with one of those things. It's it's. I felt like we moved Sabonis to the bench in order to put the best product on the floor um, and try to win games. In in my opinion, that's you know, Kristen should should fall out of the rotation if we're if we're trying to win as many games as we can, but. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, maybe maybe Billy D lost a bet, and we just don't know what's going on there. Yeah. So in these three games, and this is obviously a small sample size for Oladipo, he's averaging 19 points uh, on 55 percent from the field. He's at, it's at 66 percent from three on five attempts per game. So he's hitting three, a little bit over three threes per game. Uh, he's still not getting to the free throw line, which I think is a really big problem, but he is hitting those shots um, at a better clip. He's at 85% um, since the All-Star break. He's still only at two assists per game, one turnover. Uh, so he's he's been really good, but there's just some things that separate Oladipo from being like this like you know fringe All-Star type of player or just like a role player. And if he could... Figure out a way to get to the free throw line some more, which he's very capable of doing, but he just doesn't do. Um, And if he could dish out a few more assists, which he's also capable of doing. So I think if he could do those things, he could be like the second star for the Thunder, Um, but he doesn't. He's basically, he's been more of a 3 and D guy, and I think that he's kind of separated himself from that in these three games because he has been taking guys off the dribble and he's been doing a little bit more. Um, but still there's, there's just a lot left on the table. I feel like for Oladipo and I'm hoping that he can develop those parts of his game. Yeah. You know, whenever the Thunder traded for him, I was worried about a little bit of skill set redundancy with him and Russ. Obviously he's not the same type of player Russ is on a talent level, but just their games were similar been really shocked at how good he's been in catch and shoot um but yeah. that aggression that you saw a lot in orlando is gone um and like you said the the assist numbers are down i think he's averaging close to the lowest amount of assists uh, in his career and definitely down from last year in orlando so uh, he even made a comment it was offhand a few weeks ago it, it takes a lot of time to learn how to play alongside someone like russell westbrook mm-hmm. so i think that that's um he's still trying to figure out when to be aggressive how to be aggressive how to play his game alongside Russ. And you know, as the season goes along, especially, like you said, now that he's had some time off, he said the the back injury was actually great for his wrist. So I'm hoping with some health that he's starting to figure that out and we'll get some some more of the depot that, that we all expected and, and hoped for at the very least. Yeah, really the only thing that's up for him is his three-pointers and his percentages. Shooting a career-high 37% from three on five attempts per game. He had never had more than 3.9 attempts per game. So that's great. And the Thunder needed that and need it now badly. Uh, but his free throw attempts, uh, career low. Um, he was averaging 4.4 attempts in 2014-15, which still isn't great, but it's, it's much better. He's also a career low in assists. 
Uh, and I think you're right. Like playing with Russell Westbrook is a lot different than playing with Alfred Payton. Um, it is. It and, is. And I think this, the same thing can be said for Doug McDermott. The same thing can be said for Todd Gibson. Although Gibson and Russ really started, started to figure things out, uh, especially against Utah, they were using Gibson a lot uh, until he went out with his hip, his hip injury, which I guess he's, he's going to be okay. Um, yeah. But he had 15 points in that game, and they were really – Russ was really starting to figure out where Gibson likes to get the ball. And uh, he was – pretty incredible against the jazz although the jazz were not the jazz <laughs> they were right yeah yeah jeff with the jeff with the jazz hey you know what i'm glad he's getting some some run but especially against us yeah <laughs> no. uh let's go to some let's look at some other twitter questions uh this is from at easy underscore dooley do you think the Thunder can keep Dre if he keeps playing offense like he did post-All-Star game? I think that whole um, hug gate that we had right there at the deadline where yes. uh, the whole world <laughs> thought Dre was being traded because he hugged somebody. Um, I, I, to me, that was product of, at least this is what I thought, product of a discussion taking place of, listen, we want to keep you here, and um, this is what we're thinking are you willing to accept that or at least, you know, get us in the door to have those discussions? I think that that, that was a productive um, conversation. And I think those hugs were maybe a little bit of, Hey, we're on the same page here. Um, maybe that's just wishful thinking, but I certainly think it's possible to keep him um, this off season, even with him playing the way that he has been recently. I mean, what is it? It's just ridiculous. He's shooting 40 some odd, 42% from three um, post all-star game. Like what is going on? But you know, he's also shooting 42% from the free throw line. Like there's still major holes in his game. So um, can he go out and and get a a big contract from someone? Yes, uh, absolutely. But I don't know if the team can maximize him the way that the Thunder can. I, I do think that, you know, you, you need a little bit more firepower on offense from that position. So if, they decide to go in a different direction. I wouldn't be shocked, but I think Presty would have traded him if he didn't think that they had a really good shot at keeping him. Yeah, I agree with that. And Presty just traditionally doesn't like guys going into restricted free agency. And I'm hoping that this is finally the guy that takes the Thunder uh, hometown discount uh, because the Thunder really haven't been able to get that guy. I mean, Reggie Jackson no. was obviously not willing to do that. Uh, Anis Cantor wasn't willing to do it. Steven Adams maybe did a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it remains to be seen. Like Oladipo's contract seems very fair to me, um, but he may have taken a small discount. But the Thunder haven't gotten like the Danny Green crazy discount, where Green could have been making you know seven, sixteen, seventeen million a year, but he took ten. Um, right. So is Robertson going to take you know I, you know twelve million, fifteen million, or is he going to do like eight million? Uh, the Thunder could get him on an $8 million per for the next four years, I think they would be ecstatic. And I think that they should be because he's he's a really elite defender. Uh, I still don't love the fit um, with him next to Russ, especially when you don't have a lot of offensive firepower at the other positions. Um, right. But he's super valuable to this team. He's really a part of the core uh, that the Thunder have currently. Um, but it just remains to be seen. It, it, it takes one team. It takes one team to offer Solomon Hill twelve million a year. It takes one team to offer Robertson fifteen million a year. And will that team step up? Will the Brooklyn Nets offer him, you know, fifteen million per for four years? At that point, I just don't know if you can do that if you're the Thunder. You have too many guys that are gonna be making high dollar uh, amounts and I just don't I don't know. I don't I don't know where that line is, but I just don't think you can pay Andre Robertson that kind of deal. No, by by no means. I, I do think there's a point where you have to walk away. Um, obviously, they were willing to go and match for Ennis whenever he signed his offer sheet with Portland. I think that was um, more of a necessity at that point in time. But I just don't know if you can wrap up that sort of that sort of cap with with somebody that is really good. Obviously, he's elite on defense, but someone that just like you said doesn't really make a ton of sense alongside Russell Westbrook. Um, so, like you said, if he can get the, the hometown discount, if he's willing to do that, you know, play for a team that he's always played for and obviously gets a lot of opportunity that I don't know he would get elsewhere, um, sure, I would love to keep him. But, you know, 
that that 42% three-point shooting since the break, that's not going to stay there. It's just it's, it's not go- sustainable. It's going away very soon. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it has to, right? Um, yeah, 42% since the All-Star break. Uh, he's at plus 2.9 when he's on the court, which makes sense because he, he really is that good on the other side of the ball. Um, so good. I just think that he's his ultimate destiny, in my mind, is doing what he did in the playoffs for the Thunder last season, where he's basically your functional four or five um, on offense, and then you have the other guys spread out. And he can set a pretty good pick, and he's really not that bad on a pick and roll. You're not going to, if you, obviously, he's not the guy that you want to be running that with. Um, but no. he, he can play make just a little bit. Uh, but he's, they just have to find other ways to use him rather than parking him in the corner. And that's, that's the kind of tough thing because that's what wings do. Like, wings are supposed right. to spread the court. And so you're going to have to use him in a really untraditional way. And the Thunder have done that in spots. And, I don't. I don't know where they where that where this goes. Um, if Andre Robertson's a part of your core, I don't know where it goes. I, I, I don't either. And I've always thought that that Dre was a luxury on a team with with Kevin Durant on it, and, and now it's it's just a little bit more tricky. So um, again, I, I don't think he would still be here if if they didn't have a discussion and say, "All right, this is what we want to do in the off season. Let's try to figure it out." Mm-hmm. But again. To your point, someone someone could throw him a lot of money, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked either way. I guess, mm-hmm. but I don't think his play here after the All Star game is, is going to be a, a big deciding factor either way. Right? Yeah, that's not going to be the evaluation tool <laughs> that no, they use. No, no. Uh, th- this question is from at bp two zero nine seven. Says Donovan discussed using Vic Ennis plus Domas in lineups without Russell Westbrook, how do they work together or fit? Is this our new bench? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I still get a little hung up at the point guard. I don't really want Samaj running it. I would rather have Oladipo do it um, or Norse Cole. But I, I think one thing that is tricky there is – I like when the offense, when the second unit runs through the post with Canner. I don't really want to put a ton of ball handlers or guys that need the ball on the court with him at the same time because I still think that offense should run through Ennis at the post to allow him to, to make a pass or score because he's he's really good at that. He's, he's been surprisingly good at that. His eyes are up. He's always looking. So I really think the second unit should should focus on the best way to maximize what Ennis Cantor is good at, and that's um, getting him the ball down there and, and going from there. Yeah, I agree. And it's either that or you're running it through Oladipo. And I think like a, a mix of those two makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I really do like it, and I think that instead of playing Samaj, like throw Duck McDermott out there, throw Alex Abrinas out there. Uh, I, I don't... I just don't understand the the value that they think those other guys are going to bring. Um, I just think three-point shooting is going to be way more important to that second unit, especially since, I mean, Sabonis isn't taking that many threes. Um, Post-All-Star break, Sabonis is only taking 1.2 threes per game, and some of that's his minutes have been down. Uh, But other other than that, I think that he's taking more shots close to the rim. Um, where he needs to be, yes, where he needs to be at least for now, uh, and he's been he's been a lot better. I feel like since he's moved to the bench, uh, whenever he starts, he's at a plus minus minus point seven. When Sabonis has been on the bench, it's only granted it's only been for two games, but against two quality right. opponents, he's at a plus one point five. Uh, so ultimately, I don't know how successful a Cantor Sabonis front line can be, uh, but it's worked so far. And I think that he can defend a little bit better than even I think he can. And I believe I'm, that. I'm interested to see what he can do for the rest of the season because he's he's been a he's been a little bit better there. He seems to be more aggressive, and he's playing against guys that I think that he can exploit a little bit more. Uh, so I think Sabonis is a guy to watch really closely for the rest of the season because I think that his play. And I think that this is probably true for nobody else but him. His play down the stretch is going to determine whether he plays in the playoffs. Uh, because I do think that they have guys that can play. I think Jeremy Grant 
um, is a little bit better now. Although he was awful against Utah. Very bad. I mean, just Very bad. he was the worst player on the court. And there was a guy named Joel Ballenboy on the court, and he was better than... No one knows who that is. Right. He was better than Jeremy Grant uh, the other night. So I think I think that his play going forward is going to determine what happens in the playoffs. Um, I'm not sure that Samaj or Norris Cole can do a whole lot to get themselves a lot of playoff run. Uh, I'm hoping that they just completely eliminate those guys from the rotation. But I do think that there's like... 10 minutes of like backup power forward available and it's going to come down to Jeremy Grant or Sabonis. And if Sabonis can show himself to be a quality bench guy, I think that they they may give it to him. And it's also going to be very much based on matchups. Uh, right. But I think that Sabonis could show over these last oh, 16 games that he's he's a little bit better than what he showed starting. Yeah. Well, you know, the pressure's off now. He's not in the starting lineup and I think um, the concern there was, is this going to negatively affect his mindset, you know, starting for 60 plus and then getting moved to the bench? I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue at all. It seems like he's a little bit more relaxed, a little more willing to get aggressive. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if he can earn those minutes, then I'm all for it. I don't necessarily think the difference between him and Grant is that great either way, um, just because I think from an IQ standpoint that Sabonis gives you more, Grant is, you know, probably, obviously he's more athletic and maybe a little bit better of a rim defender, but it's it's kind of up in the air, and I think the, those minutes are certainly his for the taking. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, from at Drinking Tea, who hates Russ the most? Cowherd? Bill Simmons or Coach Nick had the ball breakdown. You know, I, I think Simmons has more of just an Oklahoma City Thunder problem. And yeah. I, I know that he's uh, been a little critical of Russ, but that's just, it seems like he's more against all of us. Um, and I don't really keep up with B ball breakdown a lot. So, uh, what Colin Cowherd has been doing recently is is really upsetting to me on a deeply emotional level it, i don't know if you keep up like on twitter it is just ridiculous they keep posting these snippets and videos from his show where he is just awful in regards to russ and i i, I you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier it's like do you even watch the thunder like yeah. i don't know what he thinks is happening in oklahoma city but his takes on russ are just atrocious he's so i'm going quoting, with here he's even quoting false stats like he's yeah, I think he said it's he was like. News. I think he was, said he was forty fourth in net rating. It's like that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just make stuff up. Where did you get that from? Uh, See, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's been bad, and coward. That's just kind of how he operates. Like he's just there. He's trying to drum up stuff, and he knows right. that he just says stuff. I don't know how much he believes it. That's where I'm just like, I don't know how much he really hates him. Uh, because it's his job to drum up interest uh, for his right. site. And I think the number one guy is Coach Nick. He has hated on Russ throughout almost his <laughs> entire career. And the thing is that he's, I don't know that he's doing it to drum up interest because I don't know how much interest is really drumming up. Because, like you say, you, like, you, don't, even, you don't even know what, I'm familiar what, he's, about, you know what he's saying. Um, but he's hated on Russ's game for a long time. And he's one of these like quote unquote basketball purists, and he just he doesn't like like this like pure athlete just like dominating. And it's like, can we not just give credit where credit's due? Right. Like, what's the problem with that? You know, but that's you know, it's Russ has had a lot of people like that from day one, so it's not surprising to hear. Um, I'm not with you on the basketball purist thing, or with Coach Nick, I guess is yeah. What does it matter? He is what the team needs him to be, and you know that's good basketball. Yeah, exactly. And Bill Simmons. I mean, I'm. I used to be a huge Bill Simmons fan, and the last like four or five years, I feel like he's kind of fallen off in his NBA analysis since his basically his role has basically expanded to like doing everything for his website instead of just like being a part of ESPN. So like, I don't blame him for that, but I just think that his analysis has gotten lazy. And um, I still think he respects, gives Westbrook the res- some respect that he deserves. Um, but this is also a person that doesn't read or listen to his podcasts anymore. Just kind of hearing yeah. the grapevine, what he's saying. And I don't know. I think some of his stuff has some merit. But I also 
um, don't agree with that, like being your main point. Yeah, Simmons is kind of like Rick Riley to me. Oh. <laughs> really enjoy reading what they write, but whenever I see their face and hear them speak, I'm just not into it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so if they, like, whenever they earned or I guess were perceived. Uh, TV time is kind of where they lost me, and that's kind of how I feel about Bill Simmons. Speed writing, I'm into it. It's entertaining. I don't always agree with it, but man, the podcasts and stuff, just no thanks. Yeah, they're brutal. Uh, last question from at Caleb underscore Jones underscore. With, with Durant out, Aldridge out indefinitely, and favors dealing with an injury, uh, right now, rank the West. I've thought about this one a little bit, and it's kind of a weak answer but i'm not really sure that i change much um curious about aldridge i don't don't really know how long he's out obviously i I didn't check anything today to see if anything was updated there but as of yesterday it was just indefinitely so i don't know if if that's something that we should plan on for the playoffs which would obviously change things at that point i would probably slide houston above san antonio but i don't know if if i can realistically take golden state out of the one spot just because of how much firepower they have i know that they've been uh, slipping a little bit late but you know whenever you've got three all-stars i think you tend to figure it out yeah um utah i, I still think they're good and I, I don't think favors is going to be out a long time they seem pretty set in the four right now um so yeah i, I think i kind of leave it where it is with maybe houston sliding up into the two spot being my only change yeah and i don't think I think you're right. You don't. You can't really move these teams all that much, even with those injuries. Um, I hate Golden State, but yeah, their their team is still super stacked. And yeah. you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson not hitting threes. Uh, that's going to change. <laughs> it's, it's, it will change. It yeah, just, it just will. Uh, Utah is still very good. Uh, they were without. Right. I mean, I think Rudy Gobert might be their most impactful player. I think Gordon Hayward's their best player. I think that Gobert impacts the game a little bit more on the defensive end. He t- he changes them from a team that is not that great, and you know the Thunder put up seventy points by the third quarter um, against the Jazz with Gobert. That's not happening. Uh, no, no. So I, I think that you're right. The Jazz are three. What do we think about the Clippers? I mean, the Clippers have more definitely have more talent than the Thunder. Um, I just don't buy the Clippers. Uh, like, healthy or not, I have a really hard time buying the Clippers. They just seem to, to fall at the most inopportune times. I don't necessarily, obviously, standings-wise, Oklahoma City is possibly, could possibly catch them. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that the Thunder is better than them at this particular point in time. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think Blake and Chris are, are enough and then you add DeAndre Jordan who's still really, really good. Uh, right. they're 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 better, but you're right. I mean I at this point I have no idea what's gonna happen with them this offseason. Chris Paul has no. said that he's gonna commit to them, but if they lose in the first round or in the second round and don't get to the conference finals again, which it doesn't seem likely at all that that's where they're no. gonna end up I mean, that narrative is just so strong that like Chris Paul can't get uh, to the conference finals. And it's going to be louder, and it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see what those guys do. Um, yeah, because, I mean, they've got decisions to make with, with Blake as well. Obviously, you bring him back if yep. he wants to come back, and he's done the same thing that CP3's done. I'm, I'm coming back. But like you said, you know, I think Kevin Durant was a pretty good example of, of what happens if you start listening to what people say. Yeah, um, a little too much, and, and if they if they don't make the Western Conference Finals, they're definitely going to hear a lot of it. Yeah, and JJ, Redick I think too. what is it? Yeah, Redick. Yeah, Redick is a free agent as well. So yeah, it's going to be crazy. So yeah, I think that you can probably leave at least one through five the same. I think OKC at six makes sense. Memphis has been really, really bad. So um, bad. I think they have the worst defense since the All Star break. Lots to double check that, but I think they should never happen. But no. They've been really bad, so I think. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think with how Memphis has played, I don't think they even should be a seven if we're ranking them like today, like how they're playing today. Uh, I think the Blazers probably step up there. I think that the Mavericks are in the mix. I think Denver's still in the mix, even though they haven't been great as of late. Um, but the top, the top of the West should kind of hold um, with, like you said, with. 
Um, Houston moving up. Houston's gonna be dangerous, man. If they can, if they yeah. have their shot going, they could be they could be in the finals. Like last night, oh, could without have been a, question. Last night could have been a finals preview, which is kind of weird to say, but it, it definitely could be. If Durant can't go, man, they're they are so tough to defend. And when Harden's got it going, uh, there's really nobody that can stop him. Certainly, there's nobody on. I, I guess Andre Iguodala would be the guy to guard him. But are they going to play him enough minutes for it to for it to matter? I mean, they'd have to. And we all saw what Iguodala looked like last season. Whenever he was super tired in the finals, I, mean, right. I don't. <laughs> he is, and it's going to. I don't know. Houston's Houston's dangerous. I don't. I mean, if if the playoffs started with Durant hurt. And the timetable didn't look good. I'd probably pick the Rockets to win the West. It wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I, it obviously you never want anyone to be hurt. I don't want Kevin to be hurt. But you know, from an interest standpoint, if if that's how the playoffs start, uh, it's going to be insane to watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Weston, thanks for coming on the podcast today. We can follow you on Twitter at WShep, and we can follow, of course, up the Thunder. Uh, if you're not following them, you I know that you are, but if you're not, by chance, you should be following uh, Up the Thunder because they put out some really good stuff. Really hilarious tweets. Uh, also, their website has some good writing, too, so go check out that. Anything else, Weston? No, no. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, thanks for the love. Yeah, of course. Uh, Up the Thunder is so great. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow us at DTD Podcast. Send us an email if you'd like to email, uh, dtdpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star iTunes review. If you're listening right now and you're like, man, I really like this podcast, please go leave a five-star iTunes review. It'll just take you a few seconds. You don't even have to write anything. You can just hit five stars and that's it. Or if you'd like to leave a nice note, that would be great. Uh, and thanks for listening. <laughs>